Hello, everyone, and welcome to Series 1, Episode 1 of an all-new show called The Smooth Thrills Radio Hour. I'm your host, Jason Rutledge. So what is this show? Each week over the next seven weeks, we're going to deep dive into several movies all centered around a theme, like cyberpunk movies, end-of-the-world movies, 1980s comedies. Some of these movies you'll know, you'll love, some of them you might not be familiar with, but each one is interesting and holds an important place in our culture in its own particular way. In this series, for example, we're going to talk about Salem's Lot, The Day After, Hardware, Fandango, and a bunch of others. We hope you'll join us on this strange and mysterious journey and enjoy your ride along the way. In this episode, we're looking back at 1981 and the summer of werewolves, the howling, wolfen, and of course, an American werewolf in London. I'm joined this week in our old East Dallas studio by our panelists, Nathan and Katie, so let's get on with the show. But first, Griffin Dunn has a warning for you about what to expect in the afterlife. The undead surround me. Have you ever talked to a corpse? It's boring. I'm lonely. I, don't, I hear the podcast where people are literally going over well, that's why I that's why I like, wrote stuff down because yeah. then it's like I can at least reference it <laughs> yeah. and then I'm not kidding I literally moved the notebook to grab something and then yeah uh, well let's get on with it then everybody welcome once again to this episode of the smooth thrills radio hour coming to you live from the heart of old East Dallas in this episode we're looking back at the summer of 1981 mm. where three studios released three werewolf movies within four months of each other. One became a beloved horror classic. One was successful enough to spawn several sequels over the next 30 years. And one is called Wolfen. <laughs> let's get into it. Okay, so let's. this is an, an unusual situation. Scheduling movies back then was not like we have now. This was not like a two weeks and you're done, then six months later you're on video on demand or on Blu-ray. This the movies released to theaters in the 80s and even well into the 90s could be in the theater circuit for a year or even two years as they made their way from premiere to dollar theater. So to have three horror movies released that close together was a little weird. For them to be werewolf movies is downright bizarre because werewolf movies are not that common at all to begin with. So... The thing I couldn't figure out is why everybody went crazy for werewolves in 1981. Why did they decide this was the thing we should do? And I still don't know for sure. Well, I say why not. So the first one to hit theaters was The Howling. This was released April 22nd, 1981. Joe Dante, fresh off his wild success from Piranha. Hell yeah. <laughs> got the okay to do this. Jonathan Sales was writer on this. This really made Rob Botton's career as a special effects guy. They got him because his buddy Rick Baker was busy with another project, which mm -hmm. we'll get to a little bit later. But this was, I think this is what got him the gig on The Thing, really. Yes, as far as I know. That was, because Botin did it right before 81, and then they basically shot The Thing during 81. So. Katie, you saw this for the first time, I think, just in the last couple of days. Mm-hmm. What did you think? Where, I, where was your head at on this one? Honestly, I wasn't a huge fan of it. I, Because it's something that, as a horror fan, you definitely hear a lot about because people really enjoy it. And I don't know if because I don't have the history with it or because I didn't grow up with it. I just don't see the appeal of the film. 
<laughs> I like some of the stuff that it attempted to do, but honestly, I'm not a huge fan. Mm. Mm. I think fighting words have been thrown down. Oh, mm. I, yes, <laughs> I understand that. <laughs> it does seem to have a hard time finding a tone and staying on it, I thought, because it starts off as a horror movie. It starts off, we mm-hmm. have that first really pretty scary scene within the peep show booth mm-hmm. with Eddie, which we'll play a clip of, actually. You know, the people here, they're, they're dead. They could, they could never be like me. But you're a different Karen. I watch you on TV, and I know how good I can make you feel. I'm gonna light up your whole body, Karen. not showing eddie right now but we've established this it's supposed to be scary and something eddie says right there i think was supposed to be a through line on this whole movie and it's common with a lot of werewolf movies in that you're not real unless you've eaten another human being as a wolf person Mm. is that what they're getting at here i'm not really sure what word this is you know a sexual bend also for him well yeah i mean most werewolf movies have either something to do with either puberty Yes, I was coming to terms with your inner beast. Yeah. <laughs> or ginger yeah. snaps or something like that. I always took it as, I say always, I just saw it, but <laughs> dealing with your inner monster. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. this one definitely touches on that a lot about humanity and the monsters within that. Well, his line, you're, none of these people are real. Mm-hmm. Who is he talking? Is he talking about everybody? Is he talking about just the porno actors, which, which I believe were cut out of the British version? <laughs> but, yeah, I really don't see the why that took place, where it took place, other than yeah. hey, this is hidden. Nobody's going to be in here but us. Right. Because I don't the really see the why moment. the peep show part had to even be in that scene, other than hey, I need light to show you who I am. Yeah, it's pretty effective. I mean, it works. Yeah. Yeah. But does it work because, hey, this is a horror movie and we want you to feel uncomfortable during this scene? Or does it work because this is interweaving with what he's saying? That's a good point, because it does kind of want to rattle you a little bit right from the get And I mean, it is unsettling. Yeah. (laughs) And that whole scene, like the whole porno, like it just reminds me of like. William Friedkin's Cruising or a lesser known movie that I absolutely love called Night of the Juggler that with James Brolin. I don't think I've seen that one. I wouldn't have connected it to Cruising though necessarily. But just the whole, because that movie is is very foreboding and very Mm -hmm. like, it's very dark and it's very purposefully unsettling Mm -hmm. throughout. Right. And they put you in that culture, which could be unsettling. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't whomever's watching it but at the same time i think not that this was a deliberate move because cruising was out a year before this well and also we all took something different from that scene so depending on who's watching it it could mean anything exactly and nowadays if you were to watch it and not know that whole backstory of those types of films maybe Mm -hmm. it would mean absolutely nothing with this one if you go into it not knowing it's a werewolf movie 
because yeah. you can't see him in this scene. You don't really know that he's not anything other than this rapist killer. Well, you have the That's vocal, true. You have the vocal cues. Well, yeah. supposed to clue you into something happening, and you're sitting in a movie called The Howling. So, so like I'm saying, like if you're going into it, though, like... But he, he is... He, it is. He is trying to make the point that you haven't really lived until you become a murdery mm-hmm. rage monster. No. I think. Right. What he's getting at. He's trying to sell her on that idea. For murdery sure. rage yeah. monster, or just letting go. Because, Possibly. like, as you see further in the film, they're just existing. There's no boundaries. There's no hmm. nothing keeping you from being everything that you want to be. But in his case, rapist. This also the scene also sets up a what I think is a problem that occurs later on in the movie we'll get to why did why he gets her in there I don't know is he wanting to get caught maybe I think it's because she's on the news yeah if he can bring her in they, then they, they could do make a huge point through the whole movie oh that you're that lady from news. TV you're, yeah. yeah as if we'd forgotten from one moment mm-hmm. to the next yes but it could yes. be his way to hey if this works out then we could use her to spread the word make this known like yeah, possibly. possibly. Yeah. It's also, I thought, kind of interesting that this is the last police presence we have throughout this entire picture. The, the cops show up, kind of scratch their heads with <laughs> their own guns. Kill someone and then goes away. Yeah. And then <laughs> they vanish. And it is the TV reporters that do the entire investigation after that. You would think when the body well, disappears from the morgue. You slim pickings, get though. Someone's attention. But other than <laughs> the, that. The beginning... Honestly, like when she's going and she's talking to them from the phone booth and then the cops are driving by and even some bits later on really made me think of Nightcrawler. Oh, but I saw it more recently because like you said, the news people are the ones that are doing right. it all. It's not really a huge right. cop heavy movie. So excellent. It did, movie, it by did the make home amazing, <laughs> yeah. but it did make me think of that. Like, mm, oh, yeah. let me get to the scene first so I can get everything before everyone else. Well, turns out, yeah, the TV people had a hell of a lot of lead time then because the cops never show up for any of this stuff as far it as it does kind of just throw you into it. Like, because it says, like, he's been calling her. Right. So clearly she knew to set this up. But it's like they do kind of just throw you in the mix and kind of expect you to know what's going on with right. it. Right, right. But we do have that entire scene in the morgue, which gives us the hackiest joke that's ever been made in movies, really, is the coroner who has a cheeseburger sitting next to the dead body and then has to say something like, doesn't bother me. This happens in Wolf and John also. John Sayles, yeah. Yeah, yeah but how <laughs> many times have we seen that yeah. done? If, or uh, in Legend of the Werewolf, another werewolf oh, Yeah, definitely. <laughs> It's just That's, over yeah. and over. We can't have a coroner who isn't doing his job while also eating a cheeseburger. Well, I mean, even We're liking this stuff. Well, yeah, because we go through it, too, because people are like, oh, you watched that movie while you were eating dinner? And it's like, well, yeah, because, <laughs> it's a movie, yeah, yeah, it is yeah. what it is. Mm. I'm not watching a corpse being dissected. So there's yeah. a little, di- there's a big difference, you know, but it's a, it's a weird scene. can't see yeah. that difference, usually. The, the corpse does disappear. Everybody's shocked. The coroner even's like, well, he didn't just get up and walk away. <laughs> and no police are, are notified. No one's that's never mentioned again. That's true. <laughs> it's just strikes me as being very, very odd. At this, this is the point where she, D. Wallace Stone, I can't remember her name in the movie. What was it called? Karen. Yeah, whatever. Karen. <laughs> <laughs> that, that female character. Yeah. Has to go into therapy with a doctor who either works for the TV station, has an office in the TV station. <laughs> It, he's working all angles. Location. Yeah. I mean, he used to be an Avenger, so you know he's got a lot of connections. 
I'm not sure that was a factor, but okay. <laughs> so and he has an ascot, so oh, well, that's true. that's a big part of it too. It I comes with it. the I really, doctorate. I yeah, really there you go. Taken it's very seriously. official. You're right. I really should have taken it more seriously on that one. But he decide the good doctor decides to send our intrepid TV personality to his not at all suspicious colony out in the woods somewhere where John Carradine is. I want to end it. Which, which I want to end it. Immediately clue you in that something's about to go terribly wrong. John Carradine didn't show up in any movie and good news came out of his mouth. It just didn't happen. Uh, yeah. So the first thing I thought when watching this, this colony stuff when they first get there is, okay, so let me get this straight. Uh, there's no patient confidentiality in this doctor's mind at all because he's surrounding his patients with other patients completely unsupervised. <laughs> yes. And they have like True. a big cook off and they have they a cook together. They're and... having cookout. What kind of therapy exactly is supposed to be happening at this? Food colony? therapy, food therapy. Actually, it would be like an appetizer because we all know what they're craving. They, could, they the have a course. They, they have a house band. Yeah. I, that shows up and they have, I don't, I don't get it. I don't know. I do love her reaction at one point when, the one lady comes up to her and is like, we can go over here. And she's like, no, I'm good. I'll just go over here now. Yeah. That was, yeah. If she just followed that instinct all the way through this movie, that would have been great. They have these bungalows, which are two story complexes with driving garages, I guess, or something and full kitchens. It was pretty elaborate setup for a colony full of people with very definite problems who were most of the time. I, I can only guess when the doctor goes back to LA to be on TV that he just leaves them there or, are they kind of on their yeah, own? Yeah, <laughs> that's that's the one thing you kind of wonder about. Like, why wouldn't they just go second in command? Yeah. at the colony of nuts. I'm guessing it's Slim Pickens as the sheriff. Oh God, maybe they're in deep trouble. You know, but <laughs> but I took it as in he was sending her in kind of like a retreat manner, not necessarily in a. Well, they have therapy sessions there. True, though. that is true. But I never looked at it as in these people couldn't come and go if they well, except for the one character. But yeah. I feel like. To me, just watching it, it was, hey, we can go here, like-minded people. We all have problems. That's it. Because, right. I mean. Support each mm -hmm. other. Right. Yeah. Well, this led me to looking at the kind of therapy he was talking about on TV as opposed to what was happening at his, his colony. During his speeches on TV, what he was getting at reminded me a lot of what was then called primal scream therapy. Mm -hmm. And this was a big deal throughout the 70s. Uh, John Lennon was a fan James Earl Jones claimed it cured him of his smoking and hemorrhoids, of all things. Um, it was always very controversial, and it kind of involved what they were also what they were talking about, which was the primal scream, maybe not becoming a werewolf necessarily, though that could be a side effect of the therapy, I suppose. But I don't know if there was a direct tie into that, but it had to be on everybody's mind at the time. That oh this yeah, was made. it's it's a definite the rele dig relevance at that. is yeah. there. Definitely. Everybody took their digs at primal scream therapy. It's, it's frankly ridiculous. Well, people <laughs> take their digs at anything they don't understand because it worked for some people, but a lot of people would be like, well, that's Did just... <sighs> you can only go by what they had to say about it. I mean, there are people who scoff at people just going and seeing a therapist in general mm. because they right, don't need right, it, right. so therefore they don't understand it, so clearly there's something wrong with it. Well, therapists have never had an easy time of it in horror movies that I can remember. <laughs> no, no, not typically. Usually, <laughs> uh, the brunt or the, uh, the setup victim. or whatever mm -hmm. is the first happen. one to yeah. go down. Yeah. I think. Yeah. 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 Well, what movies are you talking about? Go down. No. Nearly all of them. Oh, okay. I, I thought it was a different genre. No. <laughs> <laughs> 
the sorry. whole subgenre. Pardon me. Let's kill the therapist horror movies. Okay, it's like okay. the trope. You always have that one person that you're like, oh, they're going to introduce him. You know that they're they're going to go at some point. It, it, really, any figure that has anything to do with any kind of science at all is usually one of the first people yes. up, up for the kill. I noticed that they took Karen is allowed to bring her husband. What with, good did that with do her, her? Which is a little, and I'm not sure about the husband. I think it thing. did pretty good for him. Oh yeah, you're right. Oh, well, let me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I see. I don't know if you noticed this, but the guy does not wear a wedding ring at all in the movie. Honestly, she well, does, granted, this was in does not. the '80s, but that is more prevalent now than it's ever been. So you could say they were ahead of their time, mm-hmm. but also he wasn't I'm faithful. Not oh no, not at all. But I've also known faithful people who wear wedding rings, so. Right. Does it really that's, mean that's the front? Yeah, they gotta he, keep he, that up. <laughs> Maybe he's right? like, you knew what was gonna happen. I don't wear my <laughs> ring. Like, <laughs> I, I noticed that right there when he got to the cookout. I was like, when uh, what's uh, Ber- Betty Bertha? What's her? What's the? I don't remember. I just want to see what other B names she comes oh, up with. Oh no! Wait, no. The because she, she leads him astray almost immediately. Okay. The, He's got an eye on this woman oh, almost. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Marsha. Right, Marsha. Marsha. Yeah. That starts with a B in some cultures. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I thought you meant the the, in, the weird, really nice lady. Yeah. That's who I no, thought no, you no. meant. No, no, no. In the original Swedish, it's spelled with a B, I promise. <laughs> <But> <laughs> this leads to one of the okay. oddest scenes, I think, that's in the movie, which is, what do I do with this rabbit and that whole thing? Yeah, yeah. Which what do you I guys gotta, do with these things? I got to yeah. play here. Cause this is- do you see any wolves? Nope. There's lots of rabbits. What do you do with these things? Eat them. Oh, my sister will uh, cook it up for you if you want. No, I try to stay away from me. Your wife might like it. You kill something you don't eat, now that's a sin. Yeah, well, I never thought of it like that. The place just over there. My sister would be glad to cook it up for you. Are you sure? Marcia just loves to cook. Okay. Are you sure? <laughs> oh, what the hell was that? He didn't want to what? impose. <laughs> All right. Was he just going to carry the rabbit around with him for the rest well, of the movie? Well, my thing or? is, is if you don't eat meat, why are you just going to kill a rabbit? That is a... He's trying to fit in with the locals. He already has oh, the mustache. Oh, with murder. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He already has a so, mustache. What else does he The boys are calling me. Have you seen the boys? He's got, yeah. He's got his Lands End parka on. He, he's got a, his Lands <laughs> Well, I mean, what the hell? But he, yeah. get, he gets up there and you can he resists. Yes. And by the way, I thought the cans of Wolf Brand Chili, they looked scary. Yes, that was very oh, great. So were, great. Were a very nice touch. Yeah. The art department was on was on their Spot game right on. there. I wonder about their relationship. I don't know if they were really husband and wife or if that was something only she was into. I'm not really sure. Well, it happens. This, this does lead us in, which I don't have a clip of, thank God, is one of the weirder sex scenes I think I've seen. Thank God. Movie. Why don't you have a clip for that? <laughs> I have. They Most had a choreographer. sex scene I've ever seen. Special choreographers in the credits. Just for, for that, that scene. I mean, it's not. As, That's going to be a cool job, though. Like, I choreographed. It's not as cringe inducing to me as, say, don't look now, where I have to have mm. one hand kind mm. of blocking out the Donald Sutherland part of the screen. <laughs> I need to see that. While I'm seeing that. That's Be prepared to have one hand. Oh, I've heard about the scene. His, that scene and then the one in Delamarte Delamore. 
Those yeah. are like evidently iconic sex scenes. Yeah, well, that in the well, room. The room you could throw in there also. Don't that's, look now is a is a it's a rain jacket movie in more ways than one. <laughs> so there you go. Um, you, do you want to elaborate on that or? You... I'm not gonna. No spoilers. No. 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 Oh, well, we should also mention that a, you mentioned the guy from the thing, a Dick Miller. Yes. That guy, Dick Miller, also shows up in this movie. It's like all yeah. of Corman's usual people, well, including Joe Dante Corman himself, shows up in this movie. Yes, at the phone booth. At the phone booth. But that was his lucky charm. Joe Dante would always have him from Hollywood Boulevard onward. Mm -hmm. And he was in Piranha prior to this. Sure. Yeah. But also, a lot of people miss this, is that when we get to the bookstore scene with Dick Miller, who is classic Dick Miller, mm -hmm. we also get a cameo by... Forrest 40. J. Ackerman, yep. who's then senior editor of Famous Monsters magazine. Holding a Famous Monsters magazine in <laughs> his hand. Yes. We start with the tarot cards that spell sci-fi, if you're looking for <laughs> That's right. Who he coined that term, down. by the way. Yeah. He has no lines in the movie, but in a Famous Monsters, he said, look for the guy who looks like a poor man's Vincent Price, kind of standing in the background, <laughs> who's holding a special magazine you may recognize. But yes, Forrest J. Ackerman shows up and is... Uh, it's 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 an odd cameo I wouldn't have expected. You expect but it's very welcome too because it's an in joke for people who sure. know who he is. Most people that wouldn't who would know have what known. he looked like though. Well, he had, he'd already done Dracula versus Frankenstein back in 1971 for Al Adamson, and he had lines in that. Oh dear. Yeah, <laughs> with Zandor Vorkov who played Dracula. Zandor uh, Vorkov. Yeah, that's not his real name. Not his real name. Oh, that's um, a damn shame because that's a great. But name. it's brilliant. He's like driving. <laughs> he's driving. He's driving his car, and all of a sudden, Dracula pops up right next to him, and he's like, oh, "Who are you?" You know, and it's yeah. But that's just the gist of it. Yeah. So she starts losing her connection to her. I'm putting a quotes here. Husband, and in desperation, calls her other TV reporter friend to come out to the colony. Nobody has a problem with this even though she's not a patient. In any well, that's kind of why yeah. I took it as more of like a retreat thing because people yeah, just yeah. come and go as like, they it please. Definitely like it's not, a, yeah, it's not like lockdown. They have so. patients there. I know. I understand that, and but it's just, it's more lax than yes. maybe like an actual mental facility. You can't have a retreat, like that. a peaceful retreat with John Carradine. It's not, More that wolves. is never going to happen. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> and you say he was no hunter. <laughs> The word eventually gets out. There's wolves. There's something attacking people. And we get really into the meat of this movie where our TV reporters have raced to the scene. They're trying to save each other. We get our first great werewolf transformation. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's all just puffy little sacks under the guy's skin. And it doesn't all happen completely on camera. But it, at that point, that was the best werewolf transformation on film for the next month for or so. Next yeah. Yeah. Okay, but they were like, oh, damn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I made so a note close. of that. as like, uh, Ron Borst of Hollywood Silver Screen declared it the best werewolf transformation scene ever done. Since Abbott and, and have, Costello meet Frankenstein. And I have written next to that, that is until August. Exclamation <laughs> <laughs> point. Did he go back and amend his review? And Probably, there was no well? retraction no. made as no, far okay, as I could okay. tell. No, I didn't. I couldn't find that in my research. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, a lot of people criticize that moment in the film because Karen just sits there and lets it happen. And watches the entire time. But I always argue she is a reporter. Well, that and yeah. it's really funny when people are like, I can't believe they're just sitting there. In traumatic experiences, <laughs> you don't know what you're going to do. Exactly. It's easy to go, oh, don't run upstairs. But Well, you could do something. You, know, you can't like, all be, yeah. 
Plus, she has already been through something because she's here right. for she's PTSD or yeah. whatever. So it adds to it. No, not the not the not the one Eddie kills. What? Well, yeah, Belinda Velasquez's character. Yeah. yeah. We have well, well the actual full on transformation is, is in, in view of Karen. Yeah. Right. We she saying? sees it, but we don't see it. The Belinda Belasky moment. It's in shadows. Yeah, you don't and, see his yeah. transformation in front of her character. He gets taller. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> fact, you don't know because she she's running him. from he him. But the first his... time you see him is when he busts his hand through yeah, the door. Well, right. Her... Crazy right. ass Wiley Coyote ears True. coming off of his True. head. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty good. But yeah. I thought we were talking about the other, the, the one, like the yeah. That yeah. is it. Is, that is also the point in the movie where it kind of loses itself. <laughs> that's this, the this point. starts to turn into. <laughs> Ooh, easy, Sorry. Easy, easy. As far as I can tell, it starts to try to become a comedy after that. But do we see it as a comedy because we're watching it now? Was it meant well, as no, a comedy No, it was always it, it always had that's John Sayles writing right. to yeah. But I know it doesn't really quite get there. I mean, you have that was it Robert Picardo I think improvised mm-hmm. the line I want to give you a piece of my mind mm-hmm. yeah, before yeah, he pulls yeah. the bullet out yeah. of his head and they could have left it there. But then it starts to dissolve into more of a comedy. And this is not something that Joe Dante would get quite right until Gremlins, I didn't think. Well, I don't know. I think but the entire just, movie has that tone to me because it's yeah, it, the it, the movie's like a big in joke anyway for horror fans. Well, maybe throughout. I would have enjoyed it more had I viewed it that way. Yeah, because I don't. Maybe that, that and it could is be hard the turn sometimes to watch movies that were made in a different time and know how to view them. Right. Because well, people like, didn't know it back then. Either. Well, it's like they watching the expect. original Evil Dead. Well, they like, certainly didn't expect this particular scene right here. <laughs> Take it easy, pal. You know, uh, not all of us have got enough money for a monster. Some of us have to work for a living, you know what I mean? Look, I'm in a hurry here. This is an emergency. What? Okay. (laughs) I'm Dennis Dugan over here. (laughs) Were you expecting a Mazda joke to pop up in the middle of... And what... No, but you know, once you see it, you're what like, it, it always Mazda's? should have been there. Mazdas right? were higher end. I remember, like, when I was younger, my mom's like, we got a Mazda 3, and that was a big deal. Like, I mean. Wow. Yeah. So I have no memory of that whatsoever about Mazdas being a big deal. I mean, it has the pop up headlights. Well, yeah. Well, but, even now, people are like, the, the more coupe looking ones, mm-hmm. people are like, oh man, they have a Mazda. So evidently, Mazdas are still a big deal to some, <laughs> to some. some of but in the werewolf colony. Would they be? Hmm. Mazdas? No, they probably wouldn't care. Which they, they evidently did in the city. After yeah, they trashed the hell out of this car by the time it gets to the Also, as a news reporter, are you making... Whatsoever. <laughs> as a news reporter, are you making big bucks? Mm, I think, not, maybe I, not TV. Yeah, this is local the, TV. This is yeah. the lower the evidence, higher end. <laughs> right, right, right. The right. evidence is right before you. The man has the, a Mazda. true. Yeah. Well, the guy pumping gas is just the working man. Yeah, He doesn't work at a TV station. He also looks like he doesn't have to in, in this incredible 15 second scene, I think we learned so much about these characters that we didn't know before. <laughs> well, also, I learned that I was like, when you watch the beginning of that scene, you're like, I wonder if he has a horn in that automobile. And he does. Wow. In that moment. <laughs> Glad we got yeah. that, some resolution. Dugan there, with the horn. So we should have called it the horning. The horning? <laughs> well, I mean, that fits in so many ways. There's it's probably Marsha, I mean. Yeah. The yeah. porn parody of this might have been called The Horning. Yeah. I always like uh, <laughs> crazy magazines 
parody of this, which was called The Yowling. The Yowling. I just love that. What was Mad? What did they? I don't, I don't remember what they. they the crazy to, cover was great because they did the the cover art to the movie, but it had Obnoxio the clown coming through uh, instead of the werewolf. So our intrepid TV reporter, not the cops, the TV reporter, and has his, his Mazda. Has his silver bullets. He's got a rifle. He has a Mazda. Thanks to Dick Miller. He's headed to the scene, and this is where. I just couldn't understand what was supposed to be happening in this movie anymore. Now, I'll, ex- I'll explain why after we get the doctor's explanation here about what it is his his idea was here. It's a mistake to bring her to the colony. We should have stuck with the old wings. Crazy cattle for our feed. Where's the life in that? The humans are our cattle. The humans are our prey. We should feed on them like we always done. Screw all this channel, your energy's crap. But the danger of exposure. We need this shelter to plan, to catch up with society. Times have changed, and we haven't. Not enough. Shut up, Doc. You wouldn't listen to me. None of you. We can fit in, you said. We can live with them. You make me sick. Masha. Oh, you're through, Doc. She's ours now. Okay, so if you're concerned about exposure, as he has just said, why do you invite a famous TV reporter to your secret colony of wolf people? And then allow her friend, who is also a TV reporter, to come to your secret colony of wolf people. Are werewolves stupid? I don't. I don't know what's supposed to be happening here. Well, there's the a responsibility the that he feels for her, though, too, because Eddie Quist kind of and that's the brought other that thing. on. They had to know this entire time what Eddie had been up to. They had to know he was out there sneaking around, being the killing rage yeah. monster. Yeah. But they did nothing about it. They didn't rein him in. He was welcome. He back was what to the they colony. call a wild card in the werewolf wild colony. Wild card. <laughs> so. I'm, I'm, Damn that Quist I had, got out of his shack again. He's banging broads and ripping throats. But you see what I mean. I mean, the doctor, they're out there. They're worried about the risk of exposing their colony to the outside world. Yet, eh, you know, Eddie's going to do what Eddie's going to do. Eh. That's He's true. caught the attention of the TV reporters. Let's just bring him out here. Yeah. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I'm not sure it's supposed to. Well, I think it's also <laughs> trying to control the chaos. So now they've added another... They did an excellent job. They're trying. <laughs> He's trying, job. at least. That is, <laughs> I didn't say he didn't enlist a barn-burning scenario, but uh, yeah, he's trying so, to keep but it But you cool. were saying they didn't listen to poor Martha with a B because she's a Mar- woman? <laughs> Marsha. There's Marcia. a lot of not great <laughs> woman comments in this whole movie. Mm-hmm. Like in the beginning, like when she gets pulled off the air because she can't focus, he's like on the phone and the like the uh, studio manager or whatever, producer, and he's like, Kevin McCarthy. Oh, maybe she's pregnant or yes, something. And I was Kevin just McCarthy. like, because there's a lot of comments and things like that throughout this whole film where it's just like oh yay pro women it's just the one comment in the beginning really stuck out to me because it's like oh the only reason a woman can't do her work right is because clearly she's pregnant and it's like well you know they've been around this woman too they would you listen to her necessarily and not just because she's a woman. well i mean at the end of the day something happened to her too she's not john carradine so we're just talking about a credibility source right possibly 
I mean, he has an ascot. She doesn't have an ascot. That's true, but maybe she could have had one if things went better at the colony, <laughs> and he was trying to get her an ascot. Is, he had one on that, order, and she didn't so stick around su- long enough. She blew shit up. Is that what, if you successfully complete your therapy, they give you an ascot that in some could be, ceremony But although no one else in the colony has one, so I don't know that anyone has Ooh. successfully achieved their therapy. I'm wondering how long John Carradine was in therapy out there, because he probably started the place. That's a good yeah, point. He may have been because yeah, and he's, he's very he's, anti the new wave way of doing things here with the We should be feeding on people and not cattle. I love that <laughs> comment anyway because Because it's so much we, easier to get people out here than cattle or something. I don't know. Well I mean <laughs> but we feed on cattle. So it's kind of just interchangeable. Oh, yeah, people it's very, are cattle. It, it, like, the whole movie is mm-hmm. a bunch of yeah, it so, yeah. digs at society and okay. you know, what Go, we, well yeah, yeah. The, going back into how they tail into a comedy though also Slim Pickens with wolf teeth is not necessarily frightening. No, no. <laughs> I and I would argue the same thing with uh, Carradine when you first see him. But although I do like the werewolf version of him oh. that you see briefly as the mm-hmm. barn's on fire. Yeah. That's really cool. I, I, I was waiting for Slim Pickens to get out of his cop car with the gun and go, stop. I got me wolf teeth or something like <laughs> well, that. Well, honestly, even when he's talking to the guy about the rabbit, his mouth is weird, too. Like, nobody really has yeah. a decent he's got, mouth. He's yeah. got some fangs yeah. already. Yeah. 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 So, so well, I wonder that's why he has that weird jacket vest thing, because it's furry. They not only need mental therapy, but also a good dental program in yeah. the wolf colony would help also. More than right. They also have a dentist office in the studio where the news is filmed with the therapist's office. Yeah. Sure. Well, back to the... We end at the news studio. We end where we began. And... Okay, so the guy manages to bur- drag a rifle into the TV station and no one asks him, hey, what's the rifle for or anything like that? He just ha- he has it on him. It's America. Uh, Karen goes through her whole speech and then transforms into what I can only assume is a chihuahua or some other kind of very small dog. Yeah, yeah she definitely looked a lot different than the rest. Than Marsha or anyone else. She didn't yeah. turn into a werewolf. She turned into a, a, like a Lhasa Apso or something. <laughs> <laughs> she can't help so, it, what okay? Was that? <laughs> Is there... I mean, granted, they probably put most of the budget, their one and, and mil- everything else. a $1 million budget, from what I've read, into everything else and like oh crap we have to transform karen uh, who has a dog <laughs> yeah. take some of the fur and stick it to her and put put the dog on camera we'll blur it out and we'll put some vaseline on the lens it'll be it'll look fine it'll look great there's a it's a deliberate move but we don't know exactly why yeah. you know it's very it was a it was a creative choice so, for certain after all these years we still don't understand exactly what the filmmakers had in mind by turning poor karen into it, best the of show. The least intimidating werewolf ever. Yeah. <laughs> At the end of this movie. Like Teen Wolf would be more intimidating, maybe. Or Teen Wolf's dad, James Hampton. James Hampton, yes. Very lovable looking werewolf. Is, yeah. So you didn't like the howling very no. much, although you I, may grow to like it in the future. I really don't know if I want to watch it again. I've already seen it twice because I fell asleep <laughs> anyway. the first time. But I do own it now, so. I did try to find the book of so it. So now you'll feel compelled. Because I was curious as to the similarities there, but yeah. there's no audio of well, it. Well, this wasn't based on a novel, was mm-hmm. it? Yes, it was. Gary By the Brandner same name. wrote it in 77. Mm-hmm. So uh, there was probably an original novel movie, then the novelization of the movie. There's three. It's a yeah. trilogy. The he wrote the first two before mm-hmm. the movie was even made. And it was called mm-hmm. The Howling 2 or 
has an what they call optional the, the howling title. To like your return of the world. howling is the other <laughs> return title. to the howling return of the howling escape from howling mountain yeah <laughs> that was uh, but no he it was he he yeah the producer optioned the book and they wrote a screenplay which was somewhat closer to the book and then by the time Avco Embassy became involved they didn't want that script and they went and Got so, Joe Dante on board, and then he brought on John Sales, who he'd worked with on Piranha. So they restructured it and made it more—I don't want to say conventional, but it's—it's it's a, no, it's a different. No, but it, it's more of a conventional. It's more accessible, probably. Yeah, maybe, but at the same time, it's very much in jokey as a reference to. I those really, guys being I, maybe I will watch it again because I'd like to watch it with the angle of it being comedic. Because yeah. I never once took like even the scene with the, the the Mazda bit. I never like I didn't see the humor in it. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, and it is yeah. it was intended I, I, to be funny. It's not one of those oh we're watching it so many years later and it's it's comedic now. Right. Like it was intended then to be funny. So the Howling had a pretty successful weekend. It was number one on its opening weekend. It lost that number one slot the next week to Caveman. Hell yeah. Second week of release. Ringo Starr. People thinking. And Barbara Bach. That's do? when they first met. Do we see there. the wolf movie or the one where Ringo Starr flops around in dinosaur poop? Clear. Clear call there. So let me get let me set the scene for you now where we are. You're a teenager. You have money to spend on movies. You have a selection of things to see. This is what's been going on this year. Now, My Bloody Valentine came out in February. It was Fuck probably yeah. out of theaters completely at this point because yeah, yeah. it is Maybe, maybe. You know, but watching like you said earlier, a Valentine's yeah. Day movie in May doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, Omen 3, which came in March. The Final Conflict. Had probably yeah. run its course. It wasn't terribly popular to begin with. It anyway. wasn't. It's it's the lesser of the three. Uh, April 12, How, The Howling comes out, followed by Caveman, or Caveman was the week before, depending on what market you were in. Yeah. Friday the 13th, Part 2, hits in May. Uh, Happy Birthday to Me, which immediately got forgotten. <laughs> Jay Lee Thompson. Is in theaters roaming around out there somewhere. And then June hits. You had Raiders of the Lost Ark, Superman 2, For Your uh, Eyes Only, Escape from New York, geez. and then Wolfen. You're kind of getting the impression I didn't like Wolfen all that much. I point, liked I Wolfen a lot. <laughs> I dig, I dig yeah. Wolfen. I do. I was also really happy that Gregory Hines was in it. So yeah, I, love I fucking Hines. I love Gregory Hines. So Michael Wadley, who's the director on this, had no feature film credits before this, and has had none after this. Mm, no, that I could find. Michael um, Wadley? Yeah, the director of this movie. He directed Woodstock. He was a cinematographer on Woodstock. I mean, he did all his movies were documentaries. Mm. He'd not done like a like a formal. So how movie. does he get this gig? I don't know. How on earth does Crazy. he get put in charge of a $17 million movie based on a short documentary he made about Janis Joplin 10 years before? Hmm. This is the thing I could have never figured out. It's possibly one of those, you know, a person who knows a person. Was he friends with the writer? Because we had Whitley Stryver, who also wrote The Hunger. Right. Wrote this movie or wrote the novel that it was right. based on. And I think wrote the screenplay on this. And the wolf and was the name of the novel and it was his first novel. Yeah. It's strange. There seemed to be a lot of names attached to this. I mean, Dustin Hoffman wanted in on this movie yeah, for some reason. I'd heard that. But the director desperately wanted Albert Finney, who was not an unknown name at the time and certainly wasn't afterwards. I mean, two years after this, he was Daddy Warbucks and Annie of all things. Yeah. Uh, he was 
the following uh, year. He was up for, I think he was up for the Academy Award for Under the Volcano mm, a couple of years after this. Yeah. So, I wonder if it was one of those, maybe he was a fan of the book and expressed interest in making it and it went forward from there. Yeah. I, well, if, possibly, I don't know. I, I'm. It was a troubled production from what I understand is that he delivered like a, a Woodstock a style cut. cut. And then <laughs> I'd watch brought... that before I'd watch the Halleck again. Wow. That's how much I enjoyed Wolfen. Four and a half hours. Yeah. It's hard to imagine. And the rumor is he was removed from the project and they brought John Hancock in who had done Bang the Drum Slowly, which ironically he started Jaws 2 and was fired from Jaws 2 and replaced by Jano's work just three years prior to that. But anyway... He had done the reshoots, and you can kind of see it when you're watching the movie. The tone is a little off here and there, but... Yeah, it's fair. He doesn't <laughs> talk about the movie. Like, you know, there's no <laughs> commentaries out there for it, so... Wow. Yeah. First thing I want to discuss is, what in the hell is going on with Albert Finney's hair? <laughs> he, It's gigantic <laughs> in this movie. It was so distracting. Yeah. I mean, it's like he had extra hair glued on to his normal hair yeah. throughout this thing. I... It he went, just doesn't give a it fuck. Moved in that on movie. its own. We know I, by his pastry consumption. He spends he the did. first twenty minutes of this movie eating something. Yes. It's either cookies or pastries. That's. I, I think that's why I love it. And he, he grumbles a lot. In the morning waking up. He doesn't have a hell of a lot of lines. Full stop in this thing. No. It stays pretty quiet and just kind of glares at people. <laughs> yeah. And grumbles at them quite a bit. So maybe that's why the hair took a weird turn because he didn't have a lot of dialogue. They wanted to give him a more <laughs> abrasive look. The hair speaks for me. I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it. I don't know. Plus it was the eighties. People had big hair. Yeah. So we have our opening scene, which was the rich couple getting killed while they're looking at a windmill. And this is where maybe there was a difference in vision on this picture because we get this whole thing with the Haitian bodyguard <laughs> They specifically mention he was a Haitian wearing a voodoo ring mm -hmm. when they find him the next day. That whole topic comes up and then is immediately dropped. Like, yeah. I don't know if that was supposed to be a thing. Yeah, it could have been. Or they go through a lot of, they make a point of showing all this weird imagery that's mm -hmm. up on the, on the windmill and on yeah. the ring. And then none of it is ever seen again. I don't know if that was in one of the hours that got cut out of this, but it, it's yeah. hard to tell. The only thing I, 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 for sure would believe that was Wadley's vision for sure and was cut. And it depends on which version you see is the <laughs> bar scene. Tom Waits is actually in the movie. Mm. You hear his music in the background, mm -hmm. yeah. but he's in there performing and you can find it in some versions. It's not on the Blu-ray. It's not on the DVD. It wasn't in the TV version, but evidently it's a rights thing. Maybe or no, the music's there though. Huh. So he's actually performing it live, and you hear it in the background it, of the scene between Albert his, Finney and Diane Vinora. His, when you can use the music, but don't look at me. Yeah. Don't look at but me. But I mean, having his history with like all these, you know, documentaries about music, I'm sure that was mm. something he pushed for. And maybe, maybe the they, producers they were him. like, that's not important to us. <laughs> yeah, because him. for him it was important. Cause right. They tricked him somehow into thinking it was a musical and... Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, he is in things. I don't yeah. think it's necessarily out But not so much at that point. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But he had done one for the heart like yeah. a couple years later. Yeah. And... So we open our police investigation the next day in the park where we get our introduction to Gregory Hines, uh, Albert Finney, and his hair. 
approach this crime scene. What about Gregory Hines' hair? Maybe he's competing with his hair. You think about that. (laughs) You think there was in the contract, maybe? It might be. My hair has to be bigger (laughs) than everyone else on this set. Top billing. Yeah. (laughs) Literal top billing. So the first, when they find the dead wife, this is what one thing I wanted to point out and one of the problems I had almost with the movie as a whole. We'll tell you what I mean. Eyes blinking, mouth trying to say something. Yeah, sure. Brain can live without oxygen for more than a minute. That's a long time, buddy boy. How'd you like to see your own body and know you're dead? Give me a nice death in bed. Preferably with a partner. (laughs) You can take her away now. Be careful with her. So you're doing a werewolf movie, right? You're doing a horror movie. You get your first big kill of the movie and you don't show anything. We only see this woman from behind. They talk about her injuries, but this is kind of a no-no in horror movies. You don't just, you don't do that. How do you do that? How do you get away with that? Well, the other thing is that there's very fleeting moments throughout the movie when there is gore on screen. Very like there's a severed head is, moment that's like, yeah, it is. <laughs> I do. It's I, too I, great mm-hmm. that you want to see more. Could like, it be because it was the first kill and they didn't want to necessarily go maybe. too hard, yeah. too quick? Where we like lead in up the beginning, to the horrendous yeah. stuff. Because yeah. at this point, you don't really, like you see the guy's hand get cut off. Kind of. Yeah. Well, because yeah. it, it goes flying. Yeah. Like, but you don't really, like, they're like, let's ease into it. Because at this point, I mean, yes, the title does have wolf in it. But you don't necessarily know <laughs> what you're they, in for. They don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's the, so yeah. it's kind of like, we don't want to make it, because they are making it seem like, because if you read the synopsis, it's like animal attacks. So it is kind of, it gets, it escalates. That's the word I'm looking for. Because yes. as they get more and more bodies it does become more graphic. That's true. That's true. Mm. Which could also, like, moving forward, I'm not going to go into it, but the escalation of the particular person doing it. Maybe in the beginning it was, Mm. oh, this is just what this is. I don't want to necessarily draw attention. And then by the end, they're pissed and they're like, oh, we'll just go. Well, it's never clear who's, who's involved in this. It's not made in t- explicit that they're so that's what I'm saying. Werewolves. Like maybe in the beginning it was meant to be under the radar. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, we're going to kill these two because of all this. But if we make it look like this, then it's not going to necessarily be investigated. Yeah, I just got the impression that they were going to shoot this and say, don't worry, we'll come back with some insert shots after the fact when we get the makeup worked out and then just didn't do it. If there is a four and a half hour <laughs> cut, there's a possibility that a more gruesome scene did exist 
but we never got that Actually cut. Not. Or did no he not want to do that at all? And that's what they brought another director in for. That's uh, a possibility like too. Like we need, we need because Thor. like you said, we don't have anything to go by with him because it's not like he had other films where it's like, oh, he didn't get into gory stuff too much or right. holy There's shit, no he loves gore. He'd, uh, he'd certainly seen a horror movie before and they certainly had to know as a production crew that this was... A high time for slasher films. Oh, I, mean, I understand that. Just had Friday the 13th Part 2 also. But you also... This, this is the year of the slasher This is your direct competition sure. in the box office. True. You, you gotta... You gotta give them something. Right. But would we have known... Not we, but would they have known that their competition was going to be... Sure. My Bloody Valentine oh, yeah. or Friday the 13th? Oh, yeah. Because you figure production times could have been running no, this, at the same these time. Were, these were frequently gentlemen's agreements that they had made for oh, years. Enough. Going well into the 2000s where... It, Studios would agree not to release competing pictures mm -hmm. with each other. This, well, I know that that exists now. I didn't necessarily mm -hmm. know if it was oh, yeah. back then as well. Especially when you've got $17 million on the line here, which they did with, yeah. with Wolfen. But even like competing with Friday the 13th Part 2 or whatever else that was out there at that point, I also feel like the movie is of this ilk. Whenever I think of this movie, I think of the book, and I think mm -hmm. of going to the bookstore as a kid and... Mm -hmm. There were so many movies based on books, horror-wise, at that point. Mm -hmm. Probably, you know, Ghost Story is a big one. That mm -hmm. I, I always correlate the two of those, even though that has probably more gore in that one. But it's more of a thriller, suspense, slow burn. I was going to say that as well. It's more accessible when it's not full-on gore. Right. Because somebody who's not necessarily... I don't... Horror can encompass a bunch, but somebody might be more apt to see a psychological thriller than, say a horror horror film granted that falls Possibly. in the same genre but yeah somebody may see i can't think of a title right now but something <laughs> that's not it's tense and it's suspenseful but mm -hmm. it's not gory yeah like, it's a taste like, yeah it's, it's a little it's bit a safe you know, it's like dip yeah. your toe in the water and that's I'm not why you getting... have someone like albert finney leading mm -hmm. it as well you're gonna get people who are you know coming to it from that aspect mm -hmm. So, just makes it more accessible, not necessarily to people who love gore, right. but for somebody like you said that may have read the book going, hey, I would see that movie because I read the book. Yeah. Would this have been better then as a late fall release instead of a summer movie release? In today's market, absolutely. Even then, but possibly. I, I, there's so many movies that kind of just did very little business maybe well, back then well, they were just but at the same time we don't we look at it like they were successful but they weren't really at the time right this not one, that this one really was no it definitely was not this also, was one that was bigger on cable and home video oh, yeah. and tv i think and it may have been planned for a later release and then they go no maybe they would have had a clear yeah. path of it i mean or go, earlier had mm -hmm. the film gone the way they wanted right. from the beginning mm -hmm. yeah that's one thing we'll never necessarily right. know the they details just of dumped it in and the theaters. it may have been even earlier because of all the cutting possibly mm -hmm. like, well you getting into that fall you would have had a much clearer path of it i mean you had halloween 2 which came out that fall but then time bandits was your most direct competition probably as a genre picture maybe sharky's machine I don't hell know. Hell yeah. <laughs> Which was number one throughout the month of December right that year. Rightfully so. Rightfully Actually, so. Rightly so, not rightfully, sorry. So the only thing I could think of that might have gone and padded out a four and a half hour cut were the endless shots of point of view shots of our wolves. Yeah. I loved um, it. Wolf Vision is yeah. my favorite. <laughs> I, I liked it the first couple of times it happened. The three dozen or so after that started to wear me out. I loved it. Because it kind of presents the wolves as being about the size of a house cat in some cases. 
They could have been head down. Yeah, the POV could have thought. Like, I can't tell you this. about that out a bit. Our our director here, Michael Wadley, was quoted that year in Famous Monsters magazine uh, saying the following, and I quote, The Wolfen are a threat to the characters in the film, but they are also threatened by modern-day society and technology. Their auditory, ocular, and olfactory senses are acutely developed, infinitely more sensitive to power of 10 than ours. To visualize that superiority, I felt a considerable amount of footage had to be shot from the creature's viewpoint. Mm. No kidding. It sold me, though. <laughs> Is half an hour at least in this movie. Katie That's written in my notes, actually. I was like, Wolf Vision, yes. She wants that as the extra on the blue I loved it. What if that's all of... the extra, the two, extra yeah. two hours is just, it's <laughs> oh the same God. movie as Told by the Wolf. Told from the Wolf's point Jason's of view. Jason's on board. <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> Yes, let's do the entire movie from the wolf's point of view. There's no dialogue. He just well, it would be a first time kind of thing. You know? I also love that the and sex last. scene <laughs> is all in the wolf's vision. We got a peeping tom wolf. Oh, ah. I, I, I completely blocked the sex scene from my mind. <laughs> I just watched this this morning, so it's a little fresher in my head than everything else. Yeah, yeah the sex scene. Yeah, I suppose you have to do it. I was kind of pissed that that scene was in there because you should be able to have a female character without them having a sex scene. Just throwing that out there. Yeah, and. They've spent a total of in the in terms of the movie, those two characters had been in contact with each other for what two and a half days. It's all yeah, it takes, Jason. Yeah. When you're Albert Finney, <laughs> look it's at the that. Hair. Look at the yeah. It's the hair. Look the headband he's got on. He's got the sweats on. Like he's got and the they were startled at that moment because he had just run in from something happening. Is that all it takes? Sometimes, is, is a bandana, hey. A bandana sometimes. and a good it's the startle. big hair. The big hair. <laughs> no. We've learned something about Katie chicks. Today, dig big think. hair. This is what I'm here for. Well, she should have hooked up with Gregory Hines then. I mean, I agree. I agree. And look, can we just talk about how awesome he is and how sad it is that he's gone now? He's one of those actors that you're like, why did he die so young? He was great in Deal of the Century, which was right around this time, I think. Friedkin, 84. 84, really? Was it that late? Or was it 83? It may have been 83, but yeah, it was after this. He had only done History of the World Part (sighs) 1. At, oh. As far as films, and and they, I think that was released first. So I don't know if Wolfen was made be, before that. Mm. But judging from the size of his role in Wolfen, I would think History of the World Part One was probably, probably. the first one. But uh, yeah, I love him. Mm-hmm. And I was very happy, that. and I was happy that he was in it more than I thought he was going to be. Yeah, because you initially think it's just one shot mm-hmm. deal. Yeah, it could have been like the right. John Sales and Howling. Mm-hmm. He's only in that mm-hmm. one scene, you know. But yeah. And all of his, he's just great. His dialogue's great. Everything's great. Yes. Yeah. And when this, first time I ever saw this movie was in 85 when it premiered on ABC Network. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. And a lot, a lot was cut. A lot they didn't need to be cut. But at the same time, it still creeped the hell out of me. And his scene in particular scared the shit out of me because I Gregory loved Hines. him. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because I was like, oh, shit. He's going to get it. He's, yeah, he's doomed. And I guess that the well, no. second they showed him on screen. Well, our, yeah, yeah. Our science figure was clearly the one who was going to be doomed first because traditional horror you have to kill off the science guy even though i'm not really sure how sciencey he really is but inadvertently he could even be considered a science guy right science and, and he's medicine, got a lot know? of the he brings a lot of the context mm-hmm. to the film he's mm-hmm. he's yeah so we do get our first encounter with with science guy right here your labels for these are amazing there's a lot of psychos running around new york you're trying to pin this on an endangered species go to wolf do that you're serious 
No way, these aren't, these aren't animal wounds. Could you train a wolf? Then it wouldn't be a wolf. Absolutely not. See, people kill people. Wolves don't kill people, that's a myth. I mean, they're too smart. They're like Indians. Wolves and Indians evolved and were destroyed simultaneously. Their societies are practically one and the same. They're tribal, they, they look out for their own, they don't overpopulate, and they're superb hunters. Are you serious? I love the juxtaposition <laughs> of that, yeah. though. Because I remember, like, when I was first watching it, I was like, is this wolves or is it, like, shapeshifters? Like, because I had guessed that before you even get to the end of it. And with his speech, for lack of a better word, I like the correlation between, oh, you're going to blame this on an endangered animal? Yeah. When if you think about the tribulations of Native Americans anyway, it's like you have that. Well, I'm going to circle back around to the endangered species thing a little later. The Robert Urich film? Yes. Of course. What else? <laughs> You know how much I've been dying to bring up Robert Urich in normal conversation. As usual, it's always this is my moment. Spencer for hire. <laughs> Jeez. But yes, the shape shifting thing. So, one of the cardinal rules of a werewolf movie is you have to show the transformation. But why? Because otherwise, you get this. But we, that's the that's the one thing people are going for in a werewolf movie is you have to do the transformation. But like you even said a few minutes ago, is this even a werewolf well, movie? One hour into this, the closest thing we get is a naked Edward James almost, almost transforming into something on a beach, but instead more or less running around like he just took a hit of angel dust. So he went from zoot suit to birthday suit. <laughs> and, and then tells Dewey, it's all in your head. But you're expecting this transformation to happen, and it doesn't it feels like a oh. bit of a letdown nah, yeah I, I get that he, he should go full manimal at that point and just oh, a little simon <laughs> corkendale okay i don't know i never you know I, how much i've been dying to bring I, up simon corkendale, love simon <laughs> corkendale <laughs> god dang it and manimal hell yeah jaws 3d baby <laughs> philip fitzroyce that's right man that guy had a career didn't he he did for yeah. about no, he had a, no, he had a long form career, but like as far as like hit movies, yeah. I think the reason I like the fact that there isn't a transformation scene, whether they are wolves or aren't wolves, right. is it does give you that less is more, and I like that it's with a lot movies. Less. <laughs> I love that I didn't like the howling, and you don't like this one, and there's that less. like. I'm not yeah. saying I was in no, love with no. the howling. I just think it's a better werewolf movie than the and than the wolfen is. Well. But that's just and what it, she's saying mm -hmm. is, is it a werewolf movie? Now, you could look at the book one way and look at the movie differently, but this one kind of keeps it vague on purpose. And also, even if it is a werewolf movie, it's the werewolf movie without that transformation that year. Because you, and why you not be different? Ones. Yeah, like you one got really good one and awesome then an okay one. one. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, why go that route? Why even try to... Compete. We could give you an uh, an alternate type of film, mm -hmm. you know. That's a cop out. What uh, if there, <laughs> wait, what if there is a transformation scene, and it's either a from the wolf's point of view, or <laughs> it's in the cut of it? Yeah, <laughs> the but why the hell would cut? you cut that? That would yeah. be because maybe it looked like shit, and they were uh, like, oh no, never mind. No. That it's seems from the more wolf likely point to of me, view. Actually, <laughs> that one. I, I He's love just seeing his fingernails expand. He's, He's looking like, oh, at a mirror, or. 
But I also like the idea that they aren't. Christian Slater on SNL is like, oh, it's hard to talk with teeth. Oh, that's one of the best sketches ever. I forgot all about that. Yes. That could have been it. I don't know. You had three hours or so cut out of this thing. It could have ended up in there somewhere. But I'm, but I'm also envisioning, werewolf envisioning, Mm -hmm. even if it isn't a werewolf, that what if it is Edward James almost in the nude running around killing people just like that. You like know, an like, animalistic right. urge. He's just got the, he's it possessed is a by wolf, the, but not. Yeah. Kind of like when he was talking in The Howling, where you're yeah. like, oh, it, or her at the end when she's like, it's the monsters in all of us, and then she yeah. does the, the transfer. And it's not necessarily just Edward James, almost, mm-hmm. but you know, just that, in general. The, yeah. Whomever. One thing I forgot to mention that I'm going to tie into this later on was they got an astonishing amount of mileage out of that set, which was just the burned out Bronx. Mm-hmm. The old church. Yeah. I love the way it looked. Which yeah. was a Black Caesar did a lot of that also oh, when, yeah. when it was shot there. It's hard to imagine an entire section of a modern city just leveled like that. Mm-hmm. But the Bronx was like that for a long time. And I pulled a picture off Google Earth Views, off a Google Street View, that we'll put up on the website. That shows what that corner where the church is looks, looks like now. now. And it you couldn't tell mm-hmm. that anything was ever there. Hmm. It's just completely different, which kind of made me think, okay, so at the beginning they kill the rich guy. This is going to be a movie about gentrification, but then it kind of leaves that behind until we get closer to the end Mm -hmm. where our beloved hero and our beloved hero's hair and his, his new friend are up in Venora are at the, at the, the wolves have somehow scaled the 15 floors up to the top of this building and broken in through a window. Well, they go up as a human and, and then transform into a wolf. Well, they turn into Spider-Man? How do they go up? He the showed, the I mean, <laughs> even when he crawled up to the bridge, he told him, he's like, you can go talk to him, but, and he's like, where are the stairs? And he's like, there are no stairs. So it shows that that character mm, the bridge yeah. is a little can get bit it. Different. But still, I mean, you don't know what he's capable of. Ladies, ladies, there's only <laughs> one of me. <laughs> So, yeah, he gets up there. He's confronted by a half dozen or so wolves. But I'm getting a little bit ahead here. Where's the... Are you talking about when with him and her or the Gregory Hines scene? The Gregory Hines scene took place in the old church. Yeah, but they had to get up there as well. I just want to make sure I'm picturing the right scene. There were probably stairs. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) But after Gregory Hines gets off in one of our big kills in the movie, Mm -hmm. a shell-shocked... After he gets off? Yes. (laughs) Gets offed. Yeah. <laughs> so there's been this horribly traumatic scene, and then Albert Finney's hair, followed closely by Albert Finney, walks into a random bar and happens to find Edward James almost and all of his friends, and we get something of an explanation as to what has been going on in the movie up to this point. It's not wolves. It's Wolfen. For 20,000 years, Wilson. Ten times your fucking Christian era. The skins and the wolves, the great hunting nations lived together. Nature in balance. Then the slaughter came. The smartest ones, they went underground into the new wilderness, your cities. Into the great slum areas, the graveyard of your fucking species. These great hunters became your scavengers. Your garbage, your abandoned people became their new meat animal. Their own animals? Are you sure, Wilson? 
They might be gods. Okay, so hear me out on this one. Also, you so may have ruined this movie for me because I never thought his hair was a big <laughs> issue until this. It's a big poofy issue. So so far we have. So you're not digging the hair. No, I like the hair. Oh, I never saw anything too. wrong with it. So far we got the rich guy. The rich developer gets killed right away. That can't have been an accident. No. Then we get into this whole thing about how the wolves are an endangered species, right? We got that. At the end of the movie, to make all the wolves feel better, Albert Finney destroys the model of the development, which presumably means now nobody knows what it was supposed to look like, so they can't build it, I guess, or something along those lines. So what is Wolfen telling us here? What is their message of this movie? It's like, we should, you know, we can't gentrify these poor neighborhoods, so here we go. We can pat ourselves on the back for being, for preserving this endangered species and take care of our homeless problem in one go. It's a win-win. We let these dozen or so wolves run around in the ruins of the Bronx and eat our homeless people. Everybody's happy. Is that what they're getting at? I didn't get the homeless people bit. <laughs> they mention it at least twice in this movie. Even Gregory Hines says they're, they're taking people no one will miss. Mm. And yeah, that's, their food. Yeah. But yeah. And I did. That can't possibly be the message they're going for in this movie. <sighs> but is it? Modest proposal. What else are they doing? Well, I mean, I understand the the want to keep the land preserved. I get that, but I just the whole homeless bit went over my head. It's. I mean, now that you say it, it's there. No, it's it's there. just it's I didn't. There. I guess I didn't. He even. Edward I know. James I know. Yeah. Says it. The part that always stuck out to me with what, especially with what Gregory Hines was saying in the beginning, was I found it really interesting that they never ate anyone the, the tainted. In- Right. Organs and things like that. So maybe I missed the other part because I was like, oh, they, they aren't eating the bits that are bad because they know. And I, I guess I just missed the whole homeless bit. Well, yeah, it's unsettling for certain. I mean, you're not going <laughs> to walk out of that going, all right, cool. Well, it's kind of right. like the, we'll scratch your back, you scratch ours. Yeah. Because in a big city like New York, yeah. that is a, an issue, especially certainly. for the people who don't want it to be an issue anymore. So him painting it out that way, maybe it's it is kind of like a if you let us keep this, we'll help you with that. Right. Not a good bargaining agreement, but tit for tat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that all the all the wolf guys were looked to be fairly gainfully employed. They didn't necessarily have to go around killing right. homeless people to survive. It's just something they enjoyed doing. Or it's an insatiable and urge that they have to. Act on. Uh, yes. Yeah. Albert Finney and our our mm-hmm. intrepid heroes seem to come away convinced that okay. This is fine now. Yeah. We solved the problem. It's a fair enough it's, ending. It's a bit weird. No, yeah, you're right. <laughs> but it is it is easy when it's painted, and I'm not speaking on the homeless part of it, but mm. clearly he does a 180 when he realizes it is people who are or have been the victim because he realizes, oh, endangered species and mm-hmm. then the Native Americans, like they are clearly people who have been downtrodden and all of that. So it was easier for him to come to that conclusion than before when you just think somebody is killing for no reason, not saying it's justified, right? right. but you, within the, the logic the of the piece. Of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But I, I'm also kind of a, I enjoy when a, when a movie, and then this could be accidental, like you're saying, what is the goal of it? Mm. But, I like it when it's when it is purposefully vague. Like, mm-hmm. what am I supposed to take away from mm-hmm. this? Mm-hmm. 
it's not a clear cut ending to where I'm like, okay, this is exactly pinpoint. The right person was arrested for this, blah, 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 that kind of crap. And not everything can have a happy ending. Exactly. Like ending on a very, very long shot of a, of cooking a hamburger. Like we did at the end of the howling rare, very, yes. (laughs) Which seemed equally as weird to me. (laughs) Yeah. But that's also, that's the tone of that piece though. Is it? Yeah. It makes sense in that one. And the wolf and that would be a little bit off. Or if you had presented that that in the howling, like, Oh, let us eat your homeless. Cause then we don't have to attack everyone else. Then it would have been seen as comedic. And then it probably would have hit better than in this, where it is a more serious tone. You're like, wait, did you just say you're going to eat our homeless? That would be a very tough comedic tone to strike. Would be, I mean, there's a whole Jonathan. I don't know. Have you seen the billion dollar? Or hobo. Funny enough, there is a a piece that's taught in English high school courses about eating the homeless. Modest proposal by Jonathan Swift, right, and it's right. about hey, our our kids are dying because they can't eat, so let's just take the people off the streets and feed that to them. Mm-hmm. Like, so I mean, it's something that has been. It wasn't adopted. resonating. It wasn't adopted as policy. Just <laughs> no, okay. I was just, I was gonna Google everyone. That. Everyone sort of let that one go for yeah. for a long time. Yeah, until the 30s, I think. But. Yeah. And they had other issues to worry about so, back then. Yeah. So yeah. Wolfen, $17 million budget. Total U.S. gross came to $10 million, which is a little painful. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe why we never got any sequels or they just kind of never bothered releasing any definitive version of this. Maybe some an error release of the four and a half hour cut. Give there me. you go. With Wolf know. Vision. I think Jason is really the most excited about seeing the potential of a longer cut of this. If it gets me the transformation from the wolf's point of view, which I I don't think I've seen before in a movie, then yeah. Then there you go. That That would be amazing. So Wolfen didn't have long to live in theaters because not only was Raiders still going strong, but it was followed not, what, three weeks later by American Wolf in London. So very tight window to make its money back and course didn't happen but american werewolf in london had a smaller budget 10 million dollars total went on to gross 60 million dollars didn't get a sequel i'm not counting american no let's not talk about that nobody at all. should was released 23rd of august 1981 briefly took the top spot away from raiders which was in its 12th week of release. Mm. lost it again before continental divide took the number one spot for good ah. We say it became a, a beloved horror classic. It's not with everybody. There are people who can't stand this movie and think it's idiotic. It's magnificent. Uh, one of which was Roger Ebert, who wrote at the time, An American Wolf in London seems curiously unfinished, as if director John Landis spent all his energy on spectacular set pieces and then didn't want to bother with things like transitions, character development, or an ending. How, how does he miss the mark about... I mean, there's he, tremendous character development yeah. in that film, but he, okay. He did, yeah. And it does end. There are yeah, credits there is, and everything. Yeah. Well, it's like, <laughs> there's an obvious <laughs> ending to it, though. Yeah. I was waiting. After reading that, like, I was waiting for the whole thing just to keep going, like never-ending story or and something. And it said, when in Hollywood, visit but it actually, Holly, you know, Yeah, it actually but it Universal doesn't even Studios, ask for Babs. Where you're like, oh, but is it over? Like, it it ends. Like, yeah. there's no other way to take that ending. <laughs> I don't like, know how else you do it. John Landis was not necessarily known as a horror movie director. Well, doesn't he, doesn't <laughs> well, he not consider this a horror? I don't think it is. I don't know if I count it as a I horror do. movie. It has I, I definitely do. But it would be it's, horror it's, it's comedy. Comedic, but I don't even like that as, like, this, like as broad of a subgenre as that can be. I don't like right. bumping this one. Because, but, I, but I think, it, yeah, uh, to me, it's always been a horror film. But yes, it's very comedic. 
more so than the howling. It, yeah. You know, it doesn't and have it's any clearly intentional, whereas right. Right. you can obviously watch the howling and not realize it. But I think, this one, well, I feel it really it comes out of the gate with it. Like, you know what you're right. getting into. But I also think it could be like you could look at it from just strictly a horror standpoint and be maybe amused by that element of it, but not right. really catch on to you, it immediately. You get, your, you get your gore shots. Yeah. Some pretty spectacular mm-hmm. ones. Absolutely. You get your werewolf transformation. The single greatest werewolf transformation yeah. I think the, has been filmed. The benchmark for sure. Certainly. I fucking love this movie. It's, it's so fantastic. It's, it's one of those that I hate myself for waiting so long. Really? It, yeah. Mm-hmm. It does hit almost right away. One of the things I love in horror movies and one thing I've learned from watching a lot of horror movies is you never dismiss local folklore and superstition out of hand. If some guy in a giant straw hat and overalls says something to you like, you kids best stay out of those woods now. You stay out of like those woods. Like a crazy Ralph dark. type warning. You stay yeah. out of the woods after dark, which leads us to the first big encounter we have with these two idiots. <laughs> hey, wait. You made me miss. Sorry. I've never missed that board before. Uh, Jack, we better go. Are you kidding? I'm starved. There's no food here. Shall we go, Jack? Apparently so. You can't let them go. Uh, how much do we owe you? Nothing, lads. Oh, thank you. Wait! You just can't let them go? Go! Stay on the road. Keep clear to the moors. Thank you. Beware the moon, lads. Yeah. And what's the first thing they do? They get off the road, they go straight into the moors, and pay no attention to the moon. But you wouldn't have a movie without that. Exactly. So. Well, that that is true, but still. But there's always that point in a movie where you're like, well, if they had just done this, but then it would be literal credits roll and then it's over. Yeah, like. and there's no movie, like I said. And you would have no American werewolf in London, period. You so just I'm have glad that they, British werewolves. they strayed off the road. Yeah. British werewolves are perfectly fine. Yeah. All I know is that was a weird fucking place, man. It was, man, but boy, they could play darts. Oh, yes. <laughs> Was it ever really established in this movie just how old these two guys are supposed to be? And in particular, David. We know he was college years. I took it like maybe right before or right after graduation. Yeah. I mean, like he, act, around he acts like a high school horn dog through most of this movie. I mean, that's men in general. They <laughs> look a bit older, but I would have guessed college. They never come out and say it. And it's hard to tell, too, because like if you look at Greece. None of those look like they would be no. in high school. But then even if you look at high school back then, high schoolers looked older than high schoolers now. So it is hard well, they, to yeah. tell. They used to get held back several grades. <laughs> I always yeah. took it as early <laughs> to mid-20s. Well, right. Like yeah, 23, 24, around there. Yeah. The reason I bring this up is because of Alex, uh, Jenny Auger's character. Alex wow. is clearly older than David is, probably by quite a few years. She's established. She's a nurse. She's been through medical school. Well, I think she's nurse that much is older, two, two to four years is nursing. Nursing isn't like the same as a medical degree. So if she went, and I don't know how it is in Europe because their schooling is different. As far as 17, you hit a different, it's not, you don't go directly to college. You do a year where you test to see where you go and then you go 
to, so I would put her at mid to maybe late 20s. Mm. Not yeah, that like much 25, than 26. Yeah. And also, I'm looking at like she did Walkabout, she did Logan Run prior yeah. to this. So I'm looking at <laughs> yeah. her actual age. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I would say mid to late 20s for her. The only reason I thought about it when I was watching this is that. Alex seems to relate to younger characters in the movie much better than anyone who seems to be about her age or older. Yeah, Maybe that's, that's because she works with kids a lot, mm-hmm. but when anytime she's talking to the older doctor, it's very prickly. Well, she's also exactly. having a relationship with a patient she probably isn't yeah. supposed to have and could potentially lose her job for. And she could have had a, a bit of a history. She mm-hmm. says she had a few, like, seven, seven. lovers. She specifies yeah. seven, yes. Um, but maybe she'd had a history with this before, but you know, it's awful. It's going to be awful prickly anyway when you're dealing with John Woodbine. So <laughs> <laughs> he's an abrasive fellow. I mean, I can kind of almost see where Ebert was coming from a little bit in the tonally. It's kind of all over the place. What was the wolf soldier thing about? He's having these flashbacks, which I get. That's yeah. fine. But what were the. They're just visions. What was that? Could like, it be it's... that when you are infected, you take on everybody else's? Memories as well. Mm, that's a good point. That is a very good point. Because it could be something that it's not necessarily anything that he and they're went Nazi through. They're Nazi werewolves. But... Yeah. There's no yeah. insignia anywhere on those uniforms. Well, I don't know. I'd they always in, thought that always they were. They interpreted as yeah. Nazi. Sure, but I, I made a note to watch that part closely. There's no anywhere on those uniforms any insignias of rank. It could or... have been because I know in Germany you cannot have anything with a swastika imagery on it shown. So they could have oh, deliberately so the left that out left to out. be able to show it in other countries. Good hmm. point. Could be. Could be. It's possible. It's open to conjecture. The scene goes by know. really quickly, though, also. And <laughs> for the most part, even without that, you know a USS uniform. Like, the imagery hmm. is there even yeah. without that. That's why I'm identifying mm-hmm. with it. That's what I... And I could be completely wrong, too. But that's just what you <laughs> think about it when you go, okay, that's what they are. You had mentioned... Maybe you inherit the memories of the people he's got. This leads me to something that I found very interesting is that, say, when Dante was making The Howling, he said that he wanted to do something different with the werewolf myth, which he didn't really do anything Mm -hmm. different with it. It's kind of like now if somebody says, I have a totally fresh take on zombies, you you probably don't. Undead werewolf, though. We do get How many undead werewolves have we seen before? I, I can't recall any other werewolf movie where you get an explanation of this part of a curse where you have to have the limbo where you're visited mm-hmm. by people who are in limbo which we get here we were attacked by a werewolf i'm not listening to this on the moors we were attacked by a lycanthrope a werewolf i was murdered an unnatural death and now i walk the earth in limbo until the werewolf's curse is lifted shut up the wolf's bloodline must be severed the last remaining werewolf must be destroyed. It's you, David. I always found that little flappy bit of makeup on his chin to be kind of distracting because it wiggles when he talks. But well, I like it, though, because it makes you focus on well, it. Like, I, I've seen a, a lot of werewolf movies, and I can't remember any of them taking this route. Well, that's no, what I love really, about yeah, all three very... that we're looking at is it is they are all wolves, but they're all different. Yes. Like, it isn't like you get the same thing over and over. Like you said, with zombie Different movies, you it, typically yeah. do get, oh, it's zombies. Oh, it's Recent zombies. Zombie you don't movies, have. Certainly, yeah. but, so I like the fact that all three bring something different to the table with what they're giving you, mm-hmm. especially this one. Yeah. 
Has anybody done that one since? Has anybody done the Limbo thing since then? Since we're not talking about the sequel? Um, no. I'm trying to think. There was a movie recently where I thought that they kind of just stole that concept. And I don't know if it was werewolves, but it was. You typically well, get it with vampires. Well, I mean, sure. you, well, look at Idle Hands, maybe. <sighs> oh, it's, maybe. But that's not, that's kind of its own thing anyway. But no, it seemed like there was something recently and it escapes me now. But uh. The only thing I can think of, like I said, with vampire movies you get, if you eliminate the original one, then everybody else quits being vampires. Yeah. Like that's the only similar thing that I can think of. That wasn't even carried through on a great deal of vampire movies either. No, but you do Lost have it. Boys, like it is the closest yeah. one that. Yeah. But now I want to watch Idle Hands. So <laughs> You're welcome. So fantastic makeup effect, and he just gets progressively mm-hmm. more deteriorated as the movie goes on, except for his eyes. Which actually, since uh, Katie just recently saw this movie, mm. like if she had lived through the era we did watching it on home video, well, like I wasn't you, alive anyway. I wouldn't have been able to live. No, but I then. mean, this we could not appreciate the right. scale of this makeup. Oh no, it was but I am always also- darkly lit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very Terrible muddy. transfers. Yeah. But I have always been able to, like, because there's a lot of stuff that I see now for the first time. And it's so amazing to look at it and go, damn, when that came out, it it changed. Well, the, the transformation the, sequence in this is still effective. Well, I had oh, seen yeah. that still really, ages really ago. Good. I just had never seen yeah. the full film. And credit to the makeup, but also to David Naughton for selling the hell out of that thing, oh, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's um, honestly, if you if you were going to be an actor in a werewolf film, mm. that would be your go-to place, David Naughton. Mm-hmm. I to, think. to take from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you could do Lon Chaney Jr., but that's, that's still, the best. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the going one. too far back. He's like, so I just got to glue old hair to my face and <laughs> yeah. I'm a werewolf. Hey. Yeah. yeah, Jack Pierce or Bud West. <laughs> Granted, they, they were working with what they had at the time, sure. Yeah. But this was groundbreaking. No mm-hmm. one had done this before. I do also love that these three films show us that if you have a werewolf movie, you automatically get man butt in it because all of them have <laughs> naked ass. Is there man butt in, in Howling? No. Yes. Oh, yeah. Wait, in the sex scene. The choreographed sex scene. Yeah, that's uh, true. I always true. notice. Man. I blocked that out. I, I don't. I don't <laughs> His version doesn't have this. And it's in it's in Wolf Vision and Woven. I get yeah. that. I get and that. In, and People Vision as well. I get that yeah. real missing pops up and then they're straight into the next thing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't recall that. Hmm. Yeah. Where were we? I don't remember. <laughs> wolf butt. We were appreciating man butt. Not in wolf butt. That would be weird. <laughs> well, that was the progression. It's the <laughs> next step. You want to see wolf butt. I, one thing I did... I tried to get some research done on, but couldn't find anything is does if you become a werewolf and you're in a foreign country, does that affect your tourist visa or your citizenship status at all? Are you are probably you, I would think it would because there are some countries that if you take a dog into them, you have to have the dog in quarantine for six months. Australia is one of them because Johnny Depp just got right. in a lot of trouble mm. for taking his dogs and not quarantining them. So they could revoke your tourist visa for becoming a werewolf. But that's why you don't tell people you're a werewolf. Oh, I see. True, you they can't I mean? connect it because they never see you both in the same room. Are you a British True. citizen as a werewolf because you're transforming into one? He's not a British one. citizen anyway. So. Well, you and have, or do you get dual citizenship? I wouldn't even admit that I'm a naked American man who could potentially steal someone's balloons. Oh, yeah. <laughs> What? I'm naked American man stole my balloons. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm just saying. 
I couldn't find any serious research that had been done on the topic of werewolf citizenship. So it's, I would just go with clearly there hasn't been enough done on this topic. You probably no. just have to be in quarantine for a little bit and then go on your merry way. For the best of everyone, all things considering what happens toward the very end of this movie, that yes, I would go that far. We do get this Piccadilly Circus bloodbath, which is see you next Wednesday. Astonishingly good. Yeah, we get the John Landis see you next Wednesday thing. It ends with what I was saying was one of the greatest lines in the entire movie. Aside from Lewis Tully's "Okay, who brought the dog?" in Ghostbusters, <laughs> it has to be one of the finest understatements ever made. Smooth thrills descriptive audio service activated. The wolf thing is eating people's faces. That guy's head came off. So sad. Now it's attacking a big red bus. Everyone is very upset. More people scream and die. Traffic is terrible. The wolf seems very angry about something, but it won't say what it is. Now a police person is killed. Sister Hobbs said there's a disturbance in Piccadilly Circus involving some sort of mad dog. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Every time and not Dennis me. Hopper, Mad Dog, <laughs> Morgan. <laughs> There's been a disturbance in Piccadilly. Well, that that's is, just that is one way of putting it. Yes. So wait, that, <laughs> why but, I feel like some of that is too. That's just how all Londoners talk. Everything yeah. is so formal, and they could take something that we would just be like, "Oh, it's over there," and it would just sound so just. And we get this fantastic just explosion of violence that Tarantino would do in every one of his movies after this. So well, I think also it's unclear, and he's kind of, he just says, you know, a disturbance, mad dog. <laughs> he could be talking about See You Next Wednesday, because when he storms uh, in that room, he's like, I told you never to do this thing again. He's like, you never told me any such thing. Not you, you twit her. <laughs> I never met you before in my life. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> But no, I, okay, I lean towards the werewolf disturbance. Yes. Soon afterwards, our hero, I guess, David, gets shot, and the movie actually ends. Yes. I'm not sure what ending so the Marcel. Yeah, because it's not yeah, even like, oh, his expecting. hand moves or something. Like, he's dead. Like, there is yeah. a finite ending well, a to this movie. Alex cries real tears. You see some man yeah. butt. With a man whole, butt. With several extra holes in it. That's going to be my, my <laughs> shtick. I'm going to point out all the man button movies. That's the t-shirt we'll put up in the merch shop. Man button. Okay. I already know like man five people expert. who will buy it. <laughs> MBE. <laughs> I'm going to add it to my Twitter profile. There you go. Be like PhD, MBE. Okay. <laughs> so is there any truth to his son making a remake of this? I certainly hope not. Because I've heard it for years. I mean, I don't not want anymore. it. Not anymore. Not since he's become a very no, problematic figure. No. You know I was never, uh, since you he, always annoyed the crap out of me anyway. He, since so he became, as long as he's gone, uh, yeah. I'm fine with okay. that. He has yeah. become the one who cannot be named mm -hmm. at this point. Yeah, yeah. so I, notice, I, notice I didn't say it. Yeah, I son. wouldn't count on anything like that happening. I, I was just curious because it is something that I've heard for years. Like, Well, John Landis was going to do a, a sequel mm -hmm. in the early 90s. And unfortunately... 
it didn't get made. Um, but that led to him producing that series, She Wolf of London, because mm. he wanted to actually do a TV series based off of an American Werewolf in London with Universal. Mm. And Universal's like, well, we don't actually own the rights. Polygram owns the rights to it. We distributed it. Now they own the rights, but it's kind of dicey. I think mm. Lionsgate even owns a share of it now. But oh boy, Lionsgate is in too much trouble. Well, it's right it's, now. it's yeah, yeah, it's like they have like streaming rights to it. It's weird, but. Um, but yeah, so they, there was always that potential of continuing it, and then they just he went well, off like, and made Blues Brothers two thousand. Yeah, I'm also okay with that though. Like and on its own, no, it's yeah, a I would, I would fine film. with it. Like it doesn't but it, need but continuation. But he was, I think he put the seed out there, and I think other people ran with it and made mm-hmm. that that abomination of a sequel. Mm. Um, See, I always thought that one was meant to be a loose remake because I've never seen it, so I didn't mm, know. It's meant to be something. I, I don't think I've there. seen it all the way through. Mm, it's tough. It's a tough watch. It didn't seem like a good idea to begin with. No, I I never I never finished it, and then I came back to it at a later point, and I was on cable or something. Yeah. All I know is they were like, there was like people shooting guns, werewolves shooting guns. And oh, I'm like, mm, yeah, okay. yeah, it's not where I would have thought it would have gone, but okay. I just love this. <laughs> Transformation one, exclamation point. One hour in. Yes, we get the trans. That seems but to be it the, never the spot. feels because you know some movies, and I felt this with the howling, is it's like it's so slow mm-hmm. until you get into it. Whereas this, it's like you never once are like, why haven't I I haven't seen a wolf yet? You mm-hmm. don't really feel that or care about it. It's like it's a good movie, and then you get the transformation and it's even better. So at least I never right. felt that way about it. I remember when I first saw this movie, and I didn't think I cared for it. How old were you? I would have been probably eight years old or nine years but old. But I can see that being because difficult. Because it's a tough one for an eight-year-old to get into. Yeah. But because I, it you was are a, a different kid. You tone. want that violence. You yeah, want yeah, yeah. that. But it was one of those things where it was on the CBS late-night movie, and I recorded it and watched <laughs> it the next day. But then, actually, the tape stopped recording and only got like 20 minutes into it and so i begged mom to rent it for me at the old video circle in philomath oregon anyway um <laughs> little plug for them they're no longer around but uh good plug yeah yeah <laughs> so i watched the movie and then i was like i don't know how i feel about this and then i got on my bicycle and rode around the neighborhood for like about 20 minutes came back and i was like that's probably the best movie ever <laughs> So it was huh. like because it was so kind of an unorthodox it's werewolf different. film mm-hmm. for me at that time, mm-hmm. certainly. Especially with the the pur- not purgatory, but like the in between limbo yeah, thing. Yeah, it's like it, it, it has a different spin on it entirely. Yeah. So that kind of threw mm-hmm. me. I think. Yeah. <laughs> you're just like yeah. what? I miss that cloudy not even cloudy judgment of when you're a kid where everything you see ends up being this is the greatest thing i've ever seen right yeah i do that innocence where you watch stuff now and you're like this is garbage and i watched this as a kid i would have been like the oh, greatest I watched, thing ever i watched plenty of stuff as a kid and recognized it as garbage well i see i hate when you love something as a kid and then you visit oh, yeah. it again as an adult and you're like i should have just left it as a memory i should have yes. just yeah there are yeah there's a lot like mm-hmm. that. There's a few. I, I'm, I'm pretty good on those. I don't Mac really have a lot. Mac and is really difficult now. I think that would have been difficult at the beginning, <laughs> but uh, come on, the McDonald's scene I know is amazing, <laughs> but 
and the whole resuscitation via Coke products. Uh, but other than that, I can't see where you would have a fault in it. You're defending Mac and me. <laughs> oh my God. All right. We should probably close out this episode right there. <laughs> close on Mac and That's me. That's the pin. That's, yep. Putting the She's pin down. Done. Shutting it off. <laughs> All right. That's it. The show is over. Thank you for listening. The Smooth Thrills Radio Hour is a production of Ghostcraft and is recorded live in Dallas, Texas. Please email your questions and comments to autopilot at smooththrillsradiohour.com. Enjoy the rest of your day.